right, day 169. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so today we're going to run through probably more Proverbs than usual. Um, just, yeah, so many good ones in this section, uh, so many things that um, I kind of just wanted to bring to light. And so Proverbs 25 comes and basically it mentions that these are the Proverbs of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18, you know, he's the king, he's a king uh, of Judah, right? And he's, you know, this good guy who re- leads this religious revival and the Bible will call him faithful, right? Um, until the end of his life, he start tripping a little bit. But, you know, he basically has these wisdom <clears throat> uh, Proverbs that are not actually his, they're Solomon's. <clears throat> But he had someone copy him down for him. And it's almost like sermon notes, right? So if someone preaches a sermon and I take notes, they're my notes, right? But I got them from the one who spoke them. So it'll say this in verse two. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to investigate a matter. Now, in ancient Israel, you know, guys like Solomon, Hezekiah, the kings were considered to be like scholars, scholar kings. And academic inquiry was a part of their vocation, right? That and governmental power, they were linked. And in the modern world, right, we don't think that way. Right? People, scholars work in ivory towers and govern, government works in uh, capital buildings, right? And so here, you know, basically what the psalm is saying is this, God is glorious in concealing matters in that there's a certain level of mystery about the divine and that con- that increases our wonder and awe about God. And that, in a sense, is the reason why we honor him, right? But what he's saying about the kings is, is this, those who were to rule God's people take those high and mysterious and lofty truths and make them palatable and practical for the people of God, right? That's what the whole, yeah, structure of Israel's monarchy was about. You know, you can read Deuteronomy 17 and it explains things like this, but they were to make wisdom and instruction palatable for God's people. Verse six, do not boast about yourself before the king and don't stand in the place of the great for it is better for him to say to you, come up here than to demote you in pain in plain view of a noble. What is this song getting at? Unhealthy self-promotion, right? Pretension, boasting. They're all forms uh, and sources of pride that seeks one's own honor. And what I love about Proverbs is that you know, some Proverbs can uh, add commentary or background for later ones. So it'll say uh, later in, I think, Proverbs 27, you know, don't let, uh, you know, let another man praise you, never your own lips, right? And it's just this kind of same idea that boasting uh, is not wise, right? And it's, um, as Christians, as people who follow godly wisdom, we have to let other people promote us. And that's very hard <laughs> uh, in our day and age with social media and things like that. Um, but we should guard our hearts against that type of pretension and boasting. If your enemy is hungry, verse 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink for you will heat burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Now this uh, heaping burning coals, right? People always wonder like, what does he mean by that? Well, this refers to a type of convicting shame that one may feel as uh, somebody's evil deeds are returned back to him with kind deeds, right? If you've ever been in a situation where you've wronged someone, and they paid you back good for evil, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know the like feeling <laughs> of somebody repaying your evil deeds in a sense 
back with kind ones. And yeah, Jesus and Paul will pick up on these themes in their teaching and they're pulling from this uh, psalm or proverb, excuse me, as well. Proverbs 26, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness or you'll be like him yourself. Verse five, answer a fool according to his foolishness or he'll become wise in his own eyes. Here we get the epitome of what it means that the Proverbs or sayings are not just about wisdom in general, but they should be applied with wisdom as well, right? And Solomon, yeah, did not make a typo here, right? In other words, what he's saying in verse four is that there are times when it isn't wise to try to reason with the unreasonable, right? Reasoning with the unreasonable is not always the best use of your time, right? I'm reminded of a quote by uh, Mark Twain, and he says that, um, man, he says, never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference, right? Um, and it's just so, yeah, true that, like, man, sometimes it just really could be a waste of time because they're bent. You can't make someone understand you who's bent on misunderstanding you. However, verse five will say, yo, basically how there are times that fools ought to be corrected, right? That their arguments ought to not go unchallenged, right? And it takes wisdom and discernment to know the difference. Proverbs 27, six is one of my favorites. It says, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. I actually like the, render, uh, the rendering of the King James here. And it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Interesting stuff. I think the main point Solomon is trying to get across here is that friends, hear this, friends may cut you, right? But only to heal you, right? Not necessarily to hurt you, right? Meaning they can give hard, real advice and feedback and rebuke, right? That may leave you with a wound, right? But this wound was only for the purpose of healing, right? I think of surgery. I had surgery probably 2015. I broke my wrist and I still have a wound to this day. <laughs> but it was only to heal me, right? It was only to heal my wrist and now it, it works fine. <laughs> so, um, and the second part is just as profound, right? If a friend may hurt you for your good, enemies can flatter you out of an intent to deceive you, right? And the classic example of this we know is from the life of our Lord. Judas came, acted like he was cool, was partner, partners with Jesus for, for years, right? But he betrayed him with a kiss, right? And it's that kiss has echoed throughout the centuries, right? And his intent was not to honor his friend, but to deceive and ultimately kill him, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If a friend is telling you something hard today, that wound is trustworthy. 2717, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. A familiar proverb, one that is not hard to understand, but its helpfulness uh, comes in its like generality, right? Like it's very general. Um, and basically, man, whatever you do in this life, get you some folks around you that's going to sharpen you, right? That can encourage growth in godliness and in wisdom. And as Christians, man, we're constantly up against the ways of this age and the powers of darkness and dull blades don't win battles, right? Let me say that again. Dull blades don't win battles, right? And so he's saying, yo, iron sharpens iron, right? Get around some other people who can help sharpen you and be more like the person God has called you to be. Verse 20, Shoal and Abaddon are never satisfied and people's eyes are never satisfied. Here, you know, Solomon is saying 
Man, basically, in the same way that death and destruction and the grave continue to take people day by day, more and more, and and seemingly or metaphorically um, is unsatisfied in that, our eyes and our gaze as humans can be the same way, right? And he's basically talking about our greed, like our lusts, our cravings, our covetousness, right? And he's speaking of this dissatisfaction, right? That always wants more and more and more. And one of the things that the Bible is going to say over and over again, man, is that trying to satisfy the deep longings of the human soul with the things of this world would be like trying to eat, like a, it would be like a parent trying to eat their children's plastic toy food <laughs> instead of real food, right? It will never get the job done. Why? Because it wasn't created to, right? And that's why Jesus will come on the scene and say, yo, no, 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 no. I'm the bread of life, man. Like, I'm the bread of life, right? I satisfy the deep hungers of the human. So Proverbs 28, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. If you've ever done something wrong or foolish in your life, as all of us have, um, and you were trying to hide it, you know exactly what this proverb is talking about, right? A, he's, a, he's essentially saying there's a guilty paranoia that plagues the conscience of those that are engaged in or trying to cover up sin, right? <clears throat> and there are, you know, many other proverbs that get at this, but the idea uh, resides in the fact that if you live foolishly, you will always live looking over your shoulder, bro, right? You will always live looking over your shoulder. Will they find out? How long can I keep this a secret? Why did they ask me that question? Do they know something and haven't told me, right? And this is, we know this feeling, and this is such an exhausting way to live, right? Exhausting, right? And that's why he contrasts it in the second part of the proverb. He says, but the righteous, right? The righteous are as bold or as courageous, that word means, as lions, right? God gives courage, to those who are righteous and to those who, uh, you know, would live in hidden wickedness, there's a guilty paranoia that's always going to be hanging over your shoulder. Verse five, the evil do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand everything. One of the things that uh, the Proverbs will try to say is that, man, sin has the ability to dull your moral compass, right? and dull your conscience. Um, And so constantly and willfully engaging in things that would dishonor the Lord can diminish your capacity, the the Proverbs are saying, to discern that which is just and unjust, right? And what the scripture is saying here as well is that in seeking Yahweh, we can have such a much better grasp of justice. And all throughout Proverbs, the concept of wisdom and justice are related. Why? You remember uh, in the book of First Kings, when Solomon comes to the throne, God says, yo, ask me for anything you want. I'll give it to you. And he's like, yo, just give me wisdom. Why? Why does he want wisdom? He wants wisdom so that I can rule your people justly, God. Right. So the Bible connects the idea of wisdom and justice um, together. 
And, you know, at the end of the day, what the Bible is telling us is that God wants us to be wise, just like Solomon was originally. God wants us to be wise so that we can reflect his wisdom, his character, and his justice to a watching world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that um, you give wisdom, God. We don't have to gain it uh, by pulling up our own bootstraps, but you do give us principles for living well, God. And I pray that we would heed those. Uh, we would listen to you. Uh, and we would take these proverbs to heart and that we wouldn't just try to swallow them whole, but we would savor them today as we